Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend and the Friday before Thanksgiving, no less. Coming up, Tamar Adler talks about her cooking philosophy, a combination of realism and delight. It's the way a pursuit of pleasure can actually help one be more economical and save money and time. She also just happens to be the queen of leftovers, which is perfect given the upcoming holiday. But first, let's get into the actual Thanksgiving meal. Lots of us love a Thanksgiving dinner because it's got the classics we can count on, like pecan pie or stuffing. But sometimes it's fun to mix things up. My family, for example, is skipping the turkey this year, which I'm pretty excited about. But you know there will still be green bean casserole because my father is insisting upon it. Here to give us some other menu ideas, both riffs on classics and totally new stuff to put on the table is Tanya Holland. My cuisine is comfort food. You know, we always had yams on the menu. We always had collard greens. We always had mac and cheese, had a black eyed piece uh, salad. So, um, cause it's just like, quintessential soul food and cornbread too always have that so you know around thanksgiving i'm like well you know i think we are pretty good (laughs) she was executive chef and owner of brown sugar kitchen in oakland and she's the author of three cookbooks most recently california soul which i am obsessed with (laughs) tanya welcome to nerdette thank you greta it's great to be here i am so excited to have you so what is like the absolute must-have for your personal thanksgiving table Yams in some form, for sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like, you know, especially growing up, that was like the only time of year we had them. And I love them mm. because, you know, they're so naturally sweet. They're delicious. Um, that, and broad Brussels sprouts, too. Ooh, Brussels sprouts are a good one. Yeah, it's funny thinking about the seasonal thing, because I do think that's part of it for me with pecan pie is like we just don't have it any other time of year, which maybe I should just fix that. And then it would be less of an issue all around. Huh? <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I there's no reason why you can't have it. You know, the nuts keep um, it is pretty seasonless, but I think it's just we indulge this time of year, you know, and that's what's going on. Mm. So we asked Nerdat listeners for some questions around holiday recipes. And we got a couple about vegetables, which I think is great because that's extremely up your alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard from Nerdat listener Sharon, who asked about a main dish that is vegetarian. They actually do a pumpkin Gouda mac and cheese. That sounds amazing, but that they want to mix things up this year. What would you recommend for that? Well, um, I have in the book some stuffed sweet potatoes and mm. there's and cheddar that's optional. So I think they make, it makes a great um, main course because, you know, you can have one or two um, with like some toasted breadcrumbs and and herbs and onions and, uh, you know, kind of scoop it out and then mix it back in. I think it's great. 
it sounds really good, partly because I feel like it does sort of hit all those notes that you might be looking for in a Thanksgiving meal anyway, in terms of like, you have your kind of stuffing element and your herbs yeah. still, you know? Thanksgiving, I think is a perfect blend of like sweet and savory, you know, mm. just like get it all in one bite when you have cranberry sauce, you know what I mean? And then you've got your, yes. your turkey and your mash and you keep going back and forth trying to get that perfect combo. Yes. I do think that might be my favorite thing about a Thanksgiving meal is like, it's mm-hmm. all when you have like tiny bites of everything on your fork at once and it's all mm-hmm. going into your mouth. It's just like, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. I would love to talk about turkey alternatives. I mentioned we're skipping turkey. We're going to do cock over mooth from Rebecca Pepler's cookbook, Autablo, which I'm really excited mm-hmm. about. We heard from a Nerdat listener named Kara who mentioned a Thanksgiving brisket, which sounds delightful. Uh, is there another meat that you think like works particularly well with a Thanksgiving meal? Oh my gosh. Well, I love duck. You know, I love like duck legs confit and and mm. duck breasts seared. And, you know, I just think it's, we don't eat enough of it. I really think we should um, also love lamb, you know, especially mm. if you get a, you know, a, like shanks or something that has to be slowly braised with a red wine sauce. Mm. Um, that would go great with mashed potatoes and your dad's green bean casserole. <laughs> <laughs> So Nerdette listener Jennifer asked about a recipe for vegetables that aren't cooked to death, which you have. I was thinking about the Brussels sprout salad for that one. I generally don't cook any of my vegetables to death, I would say, but <laughs> that is one. The uh, shaved Brussels sprout salad. Can't say, say that real fast. Brussels sprout <laughs> salad <laughs> uh, with the sort of uh, bacon mustard dressing. And, oh. you know, again, you could omit, omit the bacon if you want to, if you need to, that's fine. Um, also I have a roasted carrots. I was going to suggest that too, with the, mm. with the, uh, the seed crumble and, you know, that's just nice, easy vegetarian side as well. And you could that's also so substitute the, like the seeds go well on any kind of squash, like, you know, acorn or butternut, um, mm. roasted that would work really well too. Mm. Well, I want to talk more about the shaved Brussels sprout salad because I made it recently and it's delicious. And it's pretty cool because it's, I mean, they're not cooked at all. You're just using like raw Brussels sprouts that you're cutting up super thinly. Exactly. And you know, the dressing kind of serves as a a marinade to soften them, make them a little bit more tender. And you know, the the longer it sits, the better it gets as well. So I think this would be one of those ones that if you've got a little drive, you could take with you and not have to Mm. worry about it because the Brussels sprouts are hearty. It's not like a, a lettuce, you know? Right. It's, they're not going to wilt. They're going to hold up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Nerdout listener Bethany had wanted to know about something that could withstand a three-hour car ride. We also heard from someone who's going to be driving six hours. I was thinking wow. another one that would work for that is uh, your sweet potato pull-apart rolls. Yeah. Yeah. The rolls will hold up. Just pop them in the oven when you get there. Um, I love that. I did a demo of that dish the other day they're just so mm-hmm. easy and such a great alternative to like a regular parker roll you just you know you bring the yams to a boil you mash them yams or sweet potatoes i say you know i kind of interchange them but i think like sometimes like if i said yam pull apart rolls it doesn't sound as good as <laughs> potato pull apart rolls right but basically it's, it's, it's an orange flesh um garnet yam for sure mm. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so the rolls are this nice orange color, but they're really tender and yeah, they're delicious. And yeah, so easy. So easy. It's funny because I feel like I don't need a roll on Thanksgiving night necessarily, but to have like little mini turkey sandwiches with rolls the next day is so lovely. Oh, that's the best. Exactly. Oh, that's the best. That's for me. That's like the main reason to cook a turkey is to have that leftover and make (laughs) sandwiches, basically. (laughs) So another recipe that you wanted to highlight from the book, which I think just feels like it's leaning into fall flavors so nicely, but with some fresh twists too, is the butternut and acorn squash pear and goat cheese gratin, which is just so lovely. Do you pronounce it gratin? Do you I lean into the French pronunciation? Of course I do, Gratin. Since I went to <laughs> cooking school there, you know, I must. I had a feeling you might. Yeah. Yeah. Gratin just. Gratin. Yeah. It sounds like you're from Rochester, which is where I'm from. <laughs> That's what they would say. Like, Gratin. Ask me the Gratin. In either case, one. I mean, I guess we could just call it like a delicious goop, huh? Yeah. I mean, once you layer everything in there and it bakes together, it kind of seals. Um, but the the fruit in the mix of mm. uh, the squash just like gives it this nice little burst of sweetness. And then the salty goat cheese, it's just really delicious. I mean, that could be like a, a main for um, with like a, a side of greens. I mean, that's perfect for mm. a vegetarian meal. That's so lovely. Yeah. I was thinking about making a sweet potato gratin with gouda and thyme. But mm. this one, I'm like, oh, shoot, maybe I do need to do that instead. I haven't decided yet. Let me know which one you decide. Okay, I will. Out. I will. <laughs> um, so we also heard from Nerdette listener Natalie, who says that they're trying to lower their stress level and commit to doing less kitchen work this Thanksgiving and wanted to know if there was anything that's actually better with shortcuts or store-bought items, which I thought is a really fun question. I know. Better is interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. I always tell people, get to know, like, there's there's a lot more, especially since the pandemic, uh, mm. markets that are doing grab and go, like, you know, but it's yeah. like, it's house made. So it's not like, you know, coming out of a can, but they're doing, you know, potato salads or even a mac and cheese. I don't see any issue with incorporating a couple of those. You don't have to make everything from scratch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then you're supporting a local restaurant, which is great too, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we definitely need that. We yeah. definitely need that. And definitely I tell people do not try to cook on the same day you shop. You know what I mean? Yes. Usually with Thanksgiving, that's not an issue because the stores are usually closed on Thanksgiving True. day. But but uh sometimes for other, you know, when people are following recipes that they've never cooked before, they shop and then they come home and try to make it. I'm like, well, that's stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't even do that. Um generally you can find, you know, some pie dough or pie shell. And just mm, have to yeah. make a filling. Or maybe like one year you just decide like you're going to buy all your desserts. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And and just do the savory or, you know, if you have a recipe you really want to make, but you don't have time, see if one of your guests can make it, you know, a sign sure. of salt in the recipe. I think there's a lot of options for sure. Yeah. Well, pie crust too. I mean, even if you did want to make it from scratch, that's one like I could make one today and put it in the freezer and then take it out the day before I want to use it next week. Exactly. Now that's perfect idea. So we have one more question from a nerd out listener. This is from Janet who wanted to know how about dishes that aren't super creamy and fatty? I feel like the only thing we have that isn't super rich is salad. And I want some acid to break up all that fatty goodness. 
Mm. Ideas for that one. I feel like, I mean, an agro dolce comes to mind for me, just like a nice, you know, like you could roast squash or whatever and then just put some red mm-hmm. onion and vinegar on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I was curious mm-hmm. if you had any ideas for that one. That sounds good. Um, again, I think my roasted carrots would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Uh, you know, any roasted vegetable, I think, is like, I mean, that's the way I like to eat Brussels sprouts. Yeah. carrots you could even you know other squash um something else delicious without cream i mean the cream definitely helps. i know i know <laughs> i mean i love i have that like, same thought creamer potato creamer potatoes you slightly boil them then you smash them and bake them and they're like really they come out really buttery mm. um it's just like a natural um you know attribute to that potato mm. i love Dirty rice, which I have a vegetarian recipe, and you know it, what it has in it is oil, a little um, soy, and a little Worcestershire sauce. So it's not mm. like a you know, and, and a bunch of vegetables. Yeah. Um, so that could be a nice side that's really. I mean, I I put my Creole spice in it, and so it's got nice depth of flavor. That is such a nice spice mix. I made that. I have mm, some in my cabinet. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> so we kind of talked about pie at the beginning but like when it comes to for you ideal thanksgiving dessert or maybe even just holiday dessert like is there something that you know maybe before the end of the year you for sure are going to make sure you make for yourself because it's just like what has to happen (laughs) that's a great question um (laughs) like the older i get the less i i am craving sweets i have Mm. to say but having said that, you know, something my mom used to put on our, like our cookie list was Mexican wedding cakes. I love mm. those cookies so much. They have pecans in them. So they have, you know, I kind of feel like they're very soulful. Um, mm-hmm. And they're simple, like a, almost like a shortbread cookie, you know, rolled in. You've probably had them, right? Rolled yeah, in. totally. Yeah. They have another name too. Um are they also called Russian tea cakes? I can't remember. I don't but know. I feel like there are like iterations in a lot of different cultures yeah. though. That sort of like shortbready, nutty, exactly. powdered sugar, right? Or like a pecan sandy. I'm such a cookie yeah. monster. That's like, that's probably what I would go for. <laughs> well, Tanya, thank you so much for coming on. I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you. I'm just such a huge fan of yours. So this is a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I hope this helps, uh, you know, take some of the pressure off of everybody uh, during their Thanksgiving meal prep. So what do you do with all the food you have left over? We're going to talk about the beauty of leftovers after this quick break. But first, I want to remind you next week, we are taping our last book club episode of the year. That means it is your last chance to have your voice featured in a book club discussion episode of 2023. Our selection, of course, this month is Land of Milk and Honey, and Nerdette listener Betsy already sent us a voice memo about it. I just want to thank you for the great selections of 2023 and stimulating author interviews. I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. But Land of Milk and Honey was really great. Talk about a slow burn that seared the bottom of the pot to near obscurity. Oh my God, that was exquisitely phrased. Thank you, Betsy. If you have thoughts on the book and maybe you haven't even finished it yet, that is totally okay. Just record a voice memo on your phone and then email that file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. As always, the episode is going to come out the last Tuesday of the month. Thank you.
Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Over the weekend, I got a text from a friend. They said, if you could only own three cookbooks, what would they be? They did go on to acknowledge the fact that this might be the most difficult question I've ever been asked in my entire life, which I appreciated. But honestly, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I don't even need three because the book that has totally changed my life in the kitchen is Tamar Adler's An Everlasting Meal. Now, it is not quite as much of a cookbook as it is a way of life book with some excellent recipes. But it's full of gorgeous turns of phrases, and it's all about cooking with economy and grace, which I love. Earlier this year, Tamar came out with the Everlasting Meal Cookbook, Leftovers A to Z, and the conceit of both books is all about making do with what you have. Additionally, it's the way a pursuit of pleasure can actually help one be more economical and save money and time. There is so little time and you only have so much money. So all the pressure to buy the best possible stuff and then magically know what to do with it can be really challenging. What was missing from that whole conversation was the reason to go and buy these this stuff at the farmer's market is that it is really high quality. It'll last for longer. It's more full of flavor so you can get better meals out of it. And it comes in whole form and you can use the stems and leaves. And doing that is not this like belt tightening um, practice, but actually how great cooking is done. So use the end of your loaf of bread to make breadcrumbs, save veggie scraps in your freezer to make broth. It's all about empowering people to actually do what they want to do. But in order to do that, you need to have a certain amount of cooking skill and knowledge and and not like cooking skill where you spend, you know, four hours on a weeknight cooking dinner, but where you can like spend one hour one day and then five minutes in subsequent days. Like all of this stuff that I, I was like, every one of these recommendations needs to come with or like a handbook. When the book came out, I got to talk to Tamar about how the Everlasting Meal Cookbook builds on that handbook. It's about going to the store, seeing what looks good, having a well-stocked pantry, and then following your whim on any given day. Sometimes I get nervous when when people talk about, like, you know, buy what looks good and then be inspired, because I feel like Mm. you have to have a lot of time and access and privilege and resources to, like, access inspiration or like, you know, like sometimes in the middle of, you know, in the middle of a lot of work, inspiration is not really on tap. Um, (laughs) And I think that it is wonderful if one can be inspired. And I, and also um, knowing that you can buy what looks good and then easily access um, sort of simple, affordable solutions, techniques, approaches. I have to say, it was an everlasting meal that encouraged me to finally actually buy herbs. 
Oh, stuff. good. That was one that I was just kind of, I was skipping them. It was like, they're going to go bad before I could use them anyway. What's the difference? And you convinced me. It's like, no, I should actually be doing this. And they're lovely all the time. And they also, they're another one of those things like that I was feeling sort of enraged that wasn't, you know, I wanted it to be like a public service announcement that, that said, if you buy, the great thing about buying herbs is that then all you have to do to your other vegetables is like boil them or roast them. Or if they're left over, take them out of the fridge, let them come to room temperature. And then you just chop up the herbs and put them over it. And it's like, you know, that is the fancifier. That Mm -hmm. is the elevating thing. If you want, put an egg on it. Oh my God. An egg and herbs. (laughs) wild right it's like so each thing is sort of self-reinforcing um but you need to be told like yeah i know i understand that the recipe didn't say chop up parsley and put it on but like look at it it could use some chopped parsley and you have some chopped parsley so you know and then like then it has chopped parsley and it looks so great you're like oh you look special i want to eat you you cauliflower Well, I think partly what I love about the whole thing, especially this new book, is the idea that cooking with leftovers, it's not, I think so often we think of it as sort of an obligation and like, oh God, there's this thing in the fridge. But really, this is a gift you can give yourself. It's not, you know, in a lot of cultures and in a lot of dishes, even in our culture, what, what I'm using isn't thought of as leftovers. In restaurants, this is how dishes are built for dinner right. service. So you right. would, if you if you get in the fanciest restaurant ever, if you get like a beautiful dish of, you know, uh, like spring French green beans tossed in like beurre blanc or, you know, the way that's made is the the French beans will be boiled beforehand in perfectly seasoned water and then set aside. The beurre blanc will be made. And then when your order comes in, the two things will be combined. But that's the same as having leftover French beans and having a little leftover sauce. You know, it's like we just are sort of building the same dishes at home or we can be building the same dishes at at home. And I think it's that like mind shift um, that I'm trying to encourage. Well, I think it's so cool too because it kind of eliminates that whole like speaking of inspiration, eating the same thing five meals in a row because you made a shit ton of it and you spent a bunch of money on it and you feel like you have to see it to the bitter end, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, chili again and you want to (laughs) avoid, you want to avoid that. And so, you know, thinking of it as like, if you ever have, you know, been cold and hungry and probably hung over in a bar and you've been like, I do want a baked potato filled with chili (laughs) with like melted cheese and scallions. I really do want that. It's like, well... They did not, like, go, oh, look, Greta wants a baked potato with chili on it. They were like, we have leftover chili. Perfect. (laughs) This is how cooking works anyway. And so I think remembering that you're just transforming ingredients, and they're all ingredients. So I'm picturing your refrigerator just full of, like, a myriad of different shapes uh, of jars with, like, a bunch of different, like, random, well, not random, but interesting and a variety of differently colored liquids. Yep. That's correct. <laughs> My husband, he doesn't love this about, he loves everything about me. He doesn't. Of course. Lo- <laughs> he doesn't like mystery in the fridge. <laughs> I I get that. Yeah. I can, yeah. I yeah. respect that. It, to me, it looks like a world of opportunity. He doesn't <laughs> see it like that. So I try, if, when it, when it looks like you described, which is often, I try to like s- just go ahead and spur a little bit of transformation. So like 
there, there is a container with a little bit of pesto in it. And I was already thinking, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and combine that with mayonnaise and, ha- mm. and then call it pesto mayonnaise or herb mayonnaise and write that on it. Beautiful. You know, that way if he's like going inside and he's going to make himself like toast with, you know, some, some sort of sandwich or whatever, he'll be like, herb mayonnaise. Um, oh, that sounds great. I just don't want him to feel afraid of it. And I know it just sometimes he's like, what, I, what are you? You know, you want to be a little more familiar. Well, and I do think even just from the point of something that's more visually appealing, like, you know, a random smear of pesto at the end of a jar versus like a verdant, lovely, full jar of pesto mayonnaise with a label on it. Like those are two very different things to approach in a refrigerator. I feel like you just so everlasting mealed that. Like you're like, it goes from being like a, like a, yeah, like a little swipe of something to a verdant. I drink the Kool-Aid tomorrow. I'm all in. you just did it. Oh my God. That was fan fiction. You just wrote fan fiction. Oh my God. That's so funny. That was amazing. So do you have sort of like an unsung hero when it comes to stuff to have around in the kitchen? Like MVP? Yeah, like something that, yeah, you just feel like keeps coming through, but that not enough people maybe appreciate or are aware of or or utilize. Um, There are a few. Scallions always get used no matter what shape they're in, in my Hmm. house. And that is... um, in large part because even when the outsides get like kind of liquidy and brown, if you mm-hmm. take off the outer layers, the inside's fine. Um, and I love that about scallions. <laughs> and so and and so the tops, you know, every single recipe in the world is like, you know, thinly slice the white part of the scallion. And you're like, what yeah. about the green part? Yeah. Like the whole this whole cookbook is very simple. I never went for like I wasn't trying to, somebody taught me these words in LA, I, that I'm not an optimizer, I'm a maximizer. So I was never trying to like write the best possible use of scallion greens that had ever been conceived. I was trying mm-hmm. to write a delicious thing that you could do with your scallion greens that you could do quickly and simply and you wouldn't have to really think about very much. Mm-hmm. So there, like, there might be a better one, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) so I just, I chop them up after, you know, using all the bottoms, I chop up the tops and then pound them with a bunch of salt in a mortar and pestle. Mm. I love my mortars and pestles. Um, but you could, this could also be, if you had a smaller food processor or like a bullet, you know, like a, something that's little and forceful, it would work too. And then you get this like wonderful, super, super green, bright, um, marinade. You can use it just like that. You and because it's already seasoned, it's salty. You can put um, any meat or fish in it for a few hours or overnight, and the um, acidity of the onion, the scallion, will kind of do the te- like slight tenderizing on fish. Mm-hmm. It's also great. You could just add that to sour cream, mayonnaise, Greek yogurt, and it's this like a wonderful dip or a dollop. Um, you can add chopped ginger and um, mm. oil to it and it becomes like ginger scallion sauce and then like the, those scallions are all used except for the whatever liquefied liquefied and then chow but everything yeah. else gets used that's amazing I was a little nervous that you were going to say that you liked to do something with the liquefied part no I have my limits but, yeah I respect it I respect it and it, you know in a lot of instances like with the cheese or the bread or whatever it's like you can cut that off the rest is still good you know Right. It's often the case that 
the the point is not to use the part that looks disgusting and gross. <laughs> it's that, it's that you can see past the disgusting grossness, trim yes. it off, and then use what is there. So you never went to culinary school. You write so beautifully about food, and your recipes are lovely and versatile. It seems to me that you're you've occupied a really beautiful space where deliciousness and ease meet. Does that match sort of how how you frame your own philosophy and approach and aesthetic with this stuff? Completely. Whenever I say that I'm a lazy cook, I feel like there's a little bit of a potential implied like eye roll, like how lazy can you really be if you're a professional mm-hmm. cook and writing cookbooks? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what I mean is as soon as it's, I, I tend to stop, stop futzing as soon as something tastes good and delicious like I'm going Mm. for good and delicious without um exhausting myself or my resources or whatever and that what that means is that it's not a big deal like when I we have people over for dinner most nights when there's not a global pandemic um Mm. and the reason that we do that and can do that is because I'm not I'm not going crazy like I'm doing I promise that it will be delicious that's the only Mm -hmm. thing that I promise. And I like the idea of serving food and um, serving people and hosting and eating together being, you know, as low cost a proposition as it can be while still um, pleasurable and upholding one's values, which, uh, you know, for me are very much about land stewardship and human stewardship and trying to make sure that I'm not taking part in, you know, the the extraction of, of human labor that's so much a part of our food system. Um, but for all that stuff to work together, you have to, you know, I, I feel like you have to be able to cook frugally and be a little bit lazy and kind of mellow about it. Well, thank you. I can't wait for everyone to check out this cookbook and I can't wait to talk to you like a million more times, please, also. <laughs> Anytime you want. Thank you. Thank you. that's it for this week thank you as always for listening along i am super excited for you to hear next friday's episode it is with film director emerald fennell her new movie saltburn is such a wild ride so i'm very excited for you to hear that conversation which is coming out next friday and then of course as i mentioned we've got our final book club discussion of the year coming out the last tuesday of this month Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman at WBEZ in Chicago. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak, and we are part of the NPR Network. All right, we'll see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Macs and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.